All right, everybody, welcome back. Our apologies for a uh, several-day extension of a, our normal one-week hiatus, but you know, I just had to—I had to let some things happen in the golf world. I had to let some, uh, you know, some pieces fall. And goddamn, do I have a treat for all of you? I have got none other than the boat himself, Mr. Jeff Steemack, here to d- dive into the end of the 2019 golf season. Uh, the Solheim Cup happened. The Walker Cup happened. The 2020 PGA Tour season has started. And here to break it all down with me is Mr. Jess Stemak. Boat, how are you? What's up, buddy? I'm doing well. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I can't believe we're already starting the 2020 PGA Tour season. It's Dude, crazy. It's not only started. It's it, It's got a winner in the books, a historic winner uh, in, in a few different uh, ways. And you know what? It It's coming here, man. Two weeks. We got the PGA Tour's third event of the year right still here in the summer. North Bay It's area. still summer. still summer 2019. Woo. Not in the eyes of the PGA Tour, my friend. They they nope. are ready to get. Let's get these FedEx Cup points going, man. Let's let's right. get some guys' pocket stuff. Let 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 let's get going, dude. How cool! To, I mean, ultimate guys trip, Greenbrier. I would say so. I mean, uh, to be uh, fair, how many courses there? Man, I I sure do not know. I don't it's know like much about the other other than the two, old white one. Three, four, but I mean, private casino. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> hello. Uh, I saw their. I mean, all those private residences there. You know, they got Bubba, they got Phil. Who is I, I, is Tom Watson pro emeritus now? He he might be. Um, he might be. The, pl- the place just looks sweet. You know, it was it was Sneed forever, um, but the place just looks like you know, fishing. All just looks like a really cool uh, guys trip destination. Absolutely, and on top of that, they love. A man or woman in uniform. I mean, that that wasn't just a golf tournament boat. That was a military tribute that took place well, this yeah. past Is weekend. Jim Justice, uh, Jim Justice, uh, basically the the governor of West Virginia. Um, yeah, he does it right. He does it right. He uh, he is a big big fan of America. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, who isn't? Uh, I, yeah. I I saw that tonight's Monday night football game. So everybody, we are recording this. On Monday evening, you know, September the 16th, uh, I, I saw that the, none other than the great and powerful Lee Greenwald, you know, was saying, uh, God bless the USA tonight for Monday Night Football. And I, I'm not sure whether this was the case or not, but you got you got to have hoped that Lee made an appearance and made an appearance at the, the military tribute at the Greenbrier over the weekend. How, how great would it have been to kick off action on nice Thursday to, morning? Nice to think so. Yeah, with a, with a nice little uh, with a nice little tune by Lee on the first tee. I if, so, if that's not happening right now, I'm, I'm going to have to contact the tournament coordinators and get that on the docket for 2020. That, just, that seems Boy, like a that real was, missed uh, opportunity. Tonight's, tonight's game uh, was really hard to watch. <laughs> it was not great. Uh, there's been a couple uh, recently. Um, that's just uh, it's just bad football. Uh, that was, except for a couple of plays, that was some very very bad football it was um, not ideal not ideal uh you know when you're starting quarterback I mean, it's mono i mean probably would have been a little bit better if you know they're going baker versus darnold um but i gotta believe that's probably some of the worst ratings for a monday night football game first second half for sure i mean that was an absolute snooze fest um sam thank darnold. god i was Thank God I was still at work. Yeah, he's got to stop making out with so many hot chicks out there on the the New York nightclub scene. He's really, yeah, it's really like, messing uh, up. You could, um, 
so the reason he's not like battling through it, is, I don't know, like part of the broadcast that I did watch. So as an athlete at his age, like the one of the things that could happen is like his spleens could uh, enlarge and then he could lacerate a spleen. Hmm. And um, so that's that's why he's getting you know the the instructions from the doctor. Like this is actually it's like a it's a funny uh, you know illness, but it's it's not. Like it could be very serious. No, so. it, it is a wildly, wild, wildly serious disease. It's only because I am one of the world's singly most unathletic humans that I get to make fun of guys that actually uh, do physical feats of strength for a living. It, it, it's very. <laughs> it, I just I, I bathe in the irony boat. I, I just can't help myself. Um, all right. With with that being said, we're going to actually run back to football here later in this podcast. You have got some thoughts on one Antonio Brown that I know. You Boy, are do anxious I. to share with all the listeners out here, so we're going to save that one for a little uh, little dessert at the end of this podcast Sunday. Um, but before we jump in, man, we were already talking about the Greenbrier, so let's just jump in. Joaquin Neiman, twenty-year-old, um, first international player to win before his twenty-first birthday since Rory McIlroy, and the only other person to do it other than those two is one Sevi Ballesteros. Um, Pretty cool. Admittedly, man, I had a lot of company in town for the weekend. There was. NFL football on all day Sunday, so I watched Kyle, let's, none of this. I mean, let's 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 be honest. Um, it's football season. <laughs> College football, NFL on Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, Do I mean, I, I wasn't. Are you saying I, I, I no longer need to mention the caveat that I'm just not watching any of the professional golf right now? Yeah, okay. we're we're on the same page there. Um, okay, that's fair enough. Now I will say, I'll, I, I'll, I still I'll watch, watch all the highlights. The, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, no. I Highlights, I, I read the articles, I stay up to date, but, man, there's just, at this point of the year, with the weather being as good as it is in Northern California, it is just tough. So uh, I I did watch uh, Friday afternoon because uh, Kevin Chapel was on 59 watch, and so I watched the, and succeeded. the last 10 holes of that round. Oh, those are that, they, that was a nice 10 holes to catch too, by the way. I thought they they <laughs> did a great job of <laughs> panning away and then they just basically 5 seconds at a time for his putts and tee shots and, and approach shots, but uh I I might have brought it up before my my senior year at Chico, our first tournament in the fall was UCLA's tournament and I got paired with uh, Kevin for the first two rounds and obviously knew of him. Uh he was an absolute stud junior player coming out of Clovis uh, Fresno mm -hmm. and um, those first two rounds I was just I was so blown away about how it was just he was so poised and clearly he had I mean if you're playing on if you're number one or number 12 for UCLA you've got a lot of good things going for you in your golf game so uh -huh. I knew he was talented but uh, he just had that little extra kind of bulldog like I don't even think he he I don't remember him making a bogey uh, the first round. I think he had a couple of the second round, but uh, not easy golf course we played. But he, I was like, wow, yeah, I got done. I remember telling my teammates, my coach, I'm like, hey, this, this Chapel kid might be uh, might be pretty good someday. And uh, yeah. uh, sure enough, went on to win an NCAA individual and uh, win a tour event and a President's Cup member. And the guy's got a lot of game. Back injuries are brutal. Uh he might have got a little fatigued on the weekend. He didn't play well on the weekend, but uh, sure made that fifty nine look easy. What was the stat? Where I was looking at his scorecard, did he birdied the last how many holes to make the, for that fifty nine? Oh no no no! So he started. He started on, on the back nine. Okay. Did he? Yeah he st he started on the back nine. That um, was a run. So yeah no he birdied. 
let's see. He birdied. At I want to say. I want to say. At least. Oh no no no, no. he no he birdied nine in a row. He he tied Calc. <laughs> he tied Calc. He had like a uh, incredible twenty. I want to say just outside twenty feet, but kind of up a tier, and he left it like two feet short for his tenth in a row. Jesus. But uh, yeah, and he hoops and putts coming down the stretch too. Um, doubt he remembers me, but way to go, Kevin. So, fifty nine is good. Fifty nine is pretty good. Yeah, good. Okay, <laughs> just want to make okay fifty nine good. Okay, Kevin. Yeah, that was that was really really impressive, man. Um, whew, another 59. another low score. I don't know if you saw Bruce Meadows call him. Uh, Adam Lewis broke Jason Schmuel's course record at Windsor recently. He shot a sixty one with really? a bogey on number seven. No. Number seven's got to be the worst part three in the county, right? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because it always got like, uh, you'd read different articles. I don't know if they were by Bruce, um, you know, back when, when he was writing for the Democrat and stuff like that. But I, I always remember hearing people say that it was the most difficult par three, like ratings wise. And, it, you know, it made all these different lists as being like the one of the most challenging par threes in like Northern California. And I mean, I just think it kind of sucks. I, I don't know if like, I just think it's a poorly designed hole. Yeah, I just don't. I, I, there's long par th- I, got nothing, I got nothing against long par threes, but the effective amount of square footage on that green is not a lot because there's just pretty much nothing but a slope. Yeah. You literally have like four pin positions on a green that's well over 10,000 square feet. Yeah. I mean, that's, dude, it's, it's one of those things where if you're going to hit it all the way up, because it's essentially a blind green, you know, you're basically hitting up to a small itsy bitsy shelf that that's pretty penal on both sides and you know if if the shelf was just a little bigger in terms of its depth i i think it'd be way ten thousand square feet might be a little large on my part uh but it's certainly a massive green you think it's that you think it's really see every time i play seven at windsor i always feel like that pin is tucked on the left and there's just no there's really no room to operate if you don't hit a really good shot man it's i mean it's your landing area is so small and if it's uphill downwind and they keep it wet in front of that green to where mm-hmm. you can't bounce something up. It's, yep. I mean, you literally have no chance of holding it to a tuck pin. No. The only pin you have a chance of holding it to is dead back in the middle. And that's if you land it right on the front of the green and you most likely hit a high fade. I don't remember. Because it's always downwind there, it seems like. Do me. you recall what that what the scorecard has that listed at from the back tees? Uh, it's probably like, I want to say it's like 215 middle. Yeah. Yeah, it's long, man. I mean, I guess I guess think to myself, if you know, with with the green the way that it's set up, it just would be oh, cer- I mean, certainly easier. But it seems like it'd be you the know, whole the whole place so much like easier when it's into the wind. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, two fifteen, two fifteen into wood, the wind. Yeah, bomb a five wood, let the wind take it down, and just drop five it right on. Kyle, I'm not twenty anymore. I'm hitting three wood. If not driver, <laughs> Kyle, if it's two fifteen up in the wind. Come uh, on. <laughs> do, you, do you like how I tried to pretend and flex in front of five all wood. these hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people? Like I oh. wouldn't be trying to bomb the shit out of a driver to get it up there. <laughs> yeah, the five wood is is out of my bag. I've uh, gone to the. Uh, do you remember the heaven wood? I do. I certainly do. Now was <laughs> was it a seven or was it a nine? Technically. Well, it was the, the heaven wood was an eleven wood. An eleven wood. Oh, <laughs> okay. So to answer your question, uh, I misremembered uh, what a heaven wood was, but now I now I do recall the. So what would the slope on that be? Twenty eight degrees. <laughs> it's like it had to be almost <laughs> had to be almost like thirty degrees. <laughs> so uh, the hybrid before there was hybrids. Uh, a ton uh, of weight behind it, though. Yeah, that that is phenomenal. Yeah, um, man, a sixty one at Windsor. That is that is really impressive. Because I mean, honestly, I. One to Jason, who, for anybody who's listening to this who is unfamiliar with what we're talking about, Windsor Golf Club, 
North Bay, Windsor, California. Jason Schmold, I believe, is the director of golf and head golf professional out there. Yes. Um, has had the course record, I think, of 63 for as long as I can remember. It was I, – I sniffed it uh, about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, playing with Dane Fairfield and Adam Lewis. Powerful Dane. I shot 64 with a bogey on 17 from the middle of the fairway. Mm. Um, and then I finished and I, I go, Lou, is it 64 or 63? And he goes, it's 63. So Duvall and Lehman had it. And then like, I want to say like five years ago, Schmuel shot 62. Mm. And I didn't think that was going to get broke. I thought if anybody was going to break it, it was going to be Schmuel. Right. But apparently Lewis um, got a promotion and doesn't work anymore because <laughs> according to Bruce's column, he went 64, 61. So, uh, Oh my. And I texted Lou and I said, nice bogey on seven there. And he said, <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. So, uh, <laughs> 61 is low though. Anytime you, anytime you make that many, I mean, that's a lot. That's, that's, he, he admitted to basically not missing a shot except the tee shot on seven. I have a random question for you before we, we move on. Dread, here. Dreaded double cross. So do you think that it would be easier or more difficult to set the course record at a at a course like Windsor if it was in the same condition that guys would see on like a PJ Tour event? Now, granted, that means the rough is quite a bit gnarlier, but that also means the fairways are more pristine, the greens are in great shape. You know, they're if they're fast. They in great had. Shape. If the Nike Tour came back to Windsor, 61 wouldn't last a fucking day. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, also because those guys are obviously, you know, unbelievably good. But, oh, yeah. But, I mean, w would they be able to break 61 in the conditions that normal people like us play in versus what they play in? Yeah, I mean, obviously Adam grew up on the course and has a lot of local knowledge, still plays it a ton. Um, there's a couple of tricky parts that you probably need to know local knowledge wise. There's a couple of putts that break that don't look like they're going to. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, and Lewis isn't short. Um, but some of those guys, they're going to take some crazy fucking lines. Like on, I hate to say it on two, like they might even hit like a high draw over the trees. Yeah. Uh, they would all be hitting three wood on the green on three. Uh, they would be taking an insane line on four. Um, and then you get to like 16. All those guys are pumping driver over the creek, short left of the green or on the green. Um, yeah. Must be, Lewis, must Lewis be nice to be one of those guys. Yeah. Lewis still, he still gets it out there. Um, what about in terms of course conditions, like the actual uh, like upkeep, the maintenance of, of the golf course? Is it easier to, to you know go really, really low when the course is – like you know, just a little more. Oh, when trips. you're when you're when you're hitting a five footer and you know that it's your fault if you miss it. Um, it's easier I, to go think, low, right? Oh, it's much. <laughs> when the greens are perfect, you feel like the thing's a coffee cup. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, that's what makes sixty one even more impressive because he probably had exactly a couple lies in the fair. Who knows? Maybe it did it in the fairway or, a, you know, it's there's a lot of stuff that goes on and in the greens. It's a public. It's a busy public golf course. Instead of a tour week where the only people on it are those tour players, right? But now you can fix bike marks. But uh, what I didn't, what I didn't see was uh, it was because it was a club champ. It was probably played in the morning, so they were they were probably pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Not, and I, I don't think I don't think you're making a, a ton of putts on any public course around here in the afternoon if it's busy that day. What are your thoughts on if on Poa? At, no, <laughs> 
I mean, I I really don't mind putting on POA. I I think it's oh, we grew up on it. I yeah, I, I, I I don't mind it at all. Yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. Justy Mac, I am anointing you PGA Tour Commissioner for one day, and the yeah. first deci- the first decision Please you call have me to the make, commission. Commish, I have one question for you. I had this great, I had this fascinating idea. I yeah. don't know if it's fascinatingly bad or fascinatingly excellent. I'll but be I the need, judge of that. I, I need you to rule one way or the other. Yeah. What what do you say we have one PGA Tour event a year where we just don't do anything to the golf course before we get there? We just let the public play there until the day before the tournament starts, and we just let the guys go out and play on greens at any typical golf course that gets 35,000, 40,000 rounds a year. So the big-name players wouldn't play in it. It would be all the guys. It's mandatory. Have... It is a WGC event, Mr. Steve. Okay. So granted, okay. you don't have any sway as a PGA Tour commissioner, but you do have some pull. Okay. Um, like I'm gonna find I'm gonna find everyone in the top fifty if they don't come. Yeah, you gotta you can okay. find. Yeah, you're the commish, man. Okay. Um, do you want to see that? Uh, I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, I would like to see it. Yeah. I would. I would like to see it. Um. Because at, at these courses, as we know, there is a huge difference between the morning and afternoon wave condition-wise. Mm-hmm. And around here, we know that typically there's no wind in the morning. Bennett Valley is kind of in its little bubble there. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you get people coming in from Sepastable and it's like, oh my God, I'm socked in or vice versa. And it's, boy, it's windy over here and it's not here. It's, uh, it's kind of like its own like a microclimate. But the greens are fantastic in the morning. And then in the afternoon, after all the traffic, on a hot day in the middle of the summer where the greens have been growing for 12 hours, and then you get to POA, uh, (laughs) the scoring average in the morning versus the afternoon, especially with a little bit of wind that, uh, as we both know, tends to swirl and change direction like every... 15 seconds at Bennett Valley, it seems like. Uh, it would be interesting to see how the PGA Tour guys did under less than ideal playing conditions. So, Kamish, your ruling is? Once a year. Nice. Um, yeah, why not? Fuck yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. kind of like uh, when these country clubs do the uh, – you know the the either the beat the pro day or the uh, where you know at Fountain Grove they call it the Fountain Grave where they put the pins in just ridiculously hard spots. Nice. Um, yeah, but, once a year, why not? I, love I it. like that. Yeah, I like it too, man. I, I just want to see all these guys just go into like, you know, a you know, just a, you know, a footprint in a sand trap. You know, a huge divot in the uh, you know <laughs> in the middle of the fairway. You know, someone not replacing their ball mark on the green. Just just what what are they gonna do? You know what? The, how do these guys deal with things the way that we have to on Thursday night in Industrial League at Benna Valley? I want to see oh. it. Or you just, I mean, we send the beverage cart in a PGA Tour event. Oh, now. And, see, this is and, why you're the commissioner. You're a good and, idea and machine. And the beverage cart is parked in the middle of the fairway for like 20 minutes mm. as these pigs yes. are trying to get yes. the poor beverage cart girl to do shots with them and, yes. you know. Yes. If we if we're testing Rory's patience on that tee while he's watching that go on, uh, scoring averages are going to spike even more than morning versus afternoon, my friend. Once again, you are a good idea machine, Mr. Commissioner. I I am yeah. ready for your reign to start. I I'm I guarantee you, I'm going to be watching significantly more golf when you are in charge. Mandatory mashed potato calls. 
Why not? Why the, why the hell not? Once a hole. God, I love it. Uh, full beer chug on you know on, on you know the final nine holes on Sunday of any. You break you know, what, out the birdie pull flask every time they make a birdie. They got to take a pull, Jameson. God, it sounds unbelievably excellent. God, I love uh, it. There's a couple people that might thrive in that environment. Yeah, there. I feel like uh, I feel like kids would be much higher kids, on the money list. Uh, Pat Perez. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of these guys, Phil. I think. I think a, a lot, a lot of these guys would. Uh, well, John Daly obviously would, oh, well, would thrive. Say, if, if you if you got strokes taken off for like diet cokes and diet pepsis, John Daly would be leading yeah. leading the tour. It would be incredible. Oh, ah yeah. oh, man, that's, that sounds great. I again, I I don't I don't know where that came from. I just I, I'm just starting. Just a lot of wishful thinking here, Boat. I, I, yeah. Is it? What was it like? How many? All right. If I had to think about this real quick, other than the WGC match play, there's the Stableford and the. Of all the PGA Tour events and professional golf events that happen throughout the year, we have like, like 48 or 49, 72-stroke play events. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I'm ready for something a little different, man. I'm, I get, yeah. I do get kind of tired of just watching the same format and the same thing over and over and over again. I'm, I'm ready I'm ready for someone to bring a little bit of change into this thing. It's okay. cruel. It's, I mean, it's, dude, it's... All right. I'm sorry. Rant, rant over. I, I will continue... There are things that did happen. Dude, rants in the golf are world. rants are endorsed on this <laughs> it, program. It I is it, it is the Golf Guide podcast. I, I do yeah. think that you can go off and yeah. I mean, anybody that's been dumb enough to listen to this, this podcast for over a hundred episodes, you know what you're getting into. So I don't apologize. Um, on that, I'm not, just like our buddy Ranger used to say, never say thanks. Yeah, Steve's a wise man. Um, so the Solheim Solheim Cup happened this last weekend. Did you get a chance to watch any of that? Uh, very little, but uh, Ping really steps up, don't they? They they know where the bread is buttered, at least on the female front. Ping really steps up. I yeah. mean, that is that's that's fantastic. You, uh, it's a you, great idea. Could you share with me and the listeners what uh, what you noticed that Ping was doing that was so uh, so admirable? It's just it's. I mean, as a title sponsor, <laughs> it is not. It's not cheap to put that thing on. No. Uh, but as far as just it, it adds a, an element of class to the event, I think. Um, as we know, Carson Solheim and, and the, the Solheim family has just been so instrumental in growing the game. Um, you know, Ping kind of kind of broke that barrier with the irons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as getting away from the blade um, to more of a forgiving club head that 99% of the golfing population needs. Um, Correct. Just a, it, it, it's a cool thing. Uh, getting to see Michelle Wee do a little bit of uh, analyst work was pretty cool. Yeah. What did you think of Michelle's time in the studio? Uh, certainly. I mean, she's got so much money, she's not going to need to. But if she wants to start another career, I hope her wrist gets better and she's able to get on the golf course again because all she does is draw a ton of attention to the women's game. Yeah. Um, but she's definitely got a future in that. I didn't know she was a journalism major at, at Stanford. I also did not know that until this very moment. Yeah, pretty cool. Oh, very, very interesting. And- great event. Not a fan of Suzanne Pedersen. Never will be. Uh, not now. Glad she's retiring. <laughs> Get off my TV. <laughs> oh, classic. Which, by the well, way, she she got in a dust up a couple years ago with someone and came off looking like a total asshole. Um, it, I think it might have been in the Soul Island Cup. Like she. Uh, basically didn't give a putt and and the other girl thought it was good and then they made her putt it and go back and it was it was something along those lines i didn't take the time to 
research it. I'm sorry, Kyle. But, no, uh, it, it's okay. I mean, like I said, uh, to, to get ready for this Solheim Cup discussion that we're having right now, I watched the complete highlight package of all the singles matches on Sunday, and yeah. I read about uh, two articles uh, on the event as a whole after it uh, came to a conclusion. So, I, you know, I am wildly qualified to discuss any and all aspects of the 2019 Solheim Cup with you, my friend. You know, this might be an unpopular um, take. Um, we like those around here, so go ahead. The uh, the earmuffs that Lizette Salas was wearing. Um, I mean, if she has in the past practiced or played with earmuffs on, then I'm all for it. But, I mean, I, I see those guys with the headphones on swinging and that, and I, I've never been able to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I feel like, well, I had my, my eardrums ruptured as a kid, so I could be different for me. But it just feels like that, like all all uh, music doesn't bother me, but something in my ear or covering up my ear could potentially throw off my equilibrium and timing. You know what I mean? Hmm. So unless she had a lot of experience playing with, with with playing with ridiculously bedazzled earmuffs that in her finish her uh, hands were hitting, um, I think that's a just a horrible fashion statement. Are you more disappointed in the the fashion element of the earmuffs, or are you a little, are are you questioning her choice to possibly debut and test this this this, this trend out in the final round of the Solheim Cup? I think she was rocking them on on either Friday or Saturday okay. too, so it wasn't even the final round. But uh, yeah, just really disappointed in that choice. That's my two cents. Hey, maybe she's got some super cold ass ears, man. I, I mean, at the same time, the, those other girls are wearing the you know the the bands or a beanie, you know, over the, over the hat, a but beanie earmuffs, would, a beanie earmuffs would completely like yeah. completely deafen you. Um, so maybe she, you know, loves, that's, that's, you know, who, who knows, who knows? She loves extreme silence boat. Yeah. Could be. I mean, I, I, overall, I, it seemed like it was a very entertaining event. I was a little disappointed that, uh, you know, at a place like Glen Eagles, uh, which if anybody, you know, listening has ever been lucky enough to go play. But I know obviously you've been to Scotland. Have you been to Glen Eagles? No, no, no. Negative. It is disappointing that of the three golf courses there, they go and they play the Jack Nicholas course, which, again, is probably really awesome. I actually have not played it, so it's a little hypocritical of me to say that it's a bummer they played there. But Dude, there's like a you know a Jack Nicklaus course I think called the PGA Centennial course or something like that that was built, you know, at some point in the last 30 years. And then there's mm-hmm. two of the best Scot Scottish Heathland golf courses, the Kings and the Queens course at Glen Eagles, designed by James Braid, which are like they were the first rounds of golf that I ever played in Scotland, and it was the first time yeah. I ever played a real links course, and it had like a very huge impact on my life. And they are well regarded by many many enthusiasts to be some of the very best you know, inland links courses in Scotland, they're right next door, and they just decided to go play the Jack Nicklaus course instead. Like, the other courses, those things are funky, man. It would have been fun to watch those girls go out to those courses. But uh, alas, all right, you know, me as, you know, a moderate golf course architecture nerd who really doesn't study or spend much time uh, researching that kind of stuff, yeah, I thought it was a missed opportunity. All right, that's about it. That's all I got for you. I don't, you know, uh, could be, you know, maybe... Uh... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows how those th- those things happen? 
Well, um, you know who as far as, as choosing the course. There's something else that nobody really knows what happened or how it happens. And this <laughs> look at me, my own say, just complimenting my own segue. No. Something else that nobody knows how <laughs> or what it happened was a 2019 Player of the Year boat. That went oh down since God. we talked to each other last. There, there is a lot of controversy surrounding this. Um, well, I, I forget who it was. Uh, it might have been. Uh, well, it was Roy McIlroy versus Brooks Kepka boat. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I had to. It might have been Colin Coward or someone on on. Um, it's uh, it's I made it one of my favorites now. Twitter dot com um, <laughs> said. If your roles are reversed, does Rory take Brooks's season? Does Brooke take Rory's season? And the answer is they both want Brooks's season, and it's not even fucking close. <laughs> um, yes, correct. Like m- both those guys don't need money. I mean, they At like money. this point. They, well, we know that they like money. They do like money. I have they that. Con- I have that. Confirmed. They don't need money. Sources tell me they both, in fact, love money. So what they please continue. Do need is big old major trophies. Mm. I hear those are good. Those For are good. A couple of guys that I, that have similar totals in majors and in the game of golf, you're measured by not your bank account or how marketable you are. Or how many women you take on dates, you are measured by major championship victories. That is correct. I, I honestly, <laughs> I I have several thoughts on this, but I mean, I kind of just. Do you tend to agree then with all those takes? Where did? How do you think it's justified I that Rory McIlroy won that Player of the Year? <sighs> Because he played well for like two tournaments. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, dude, the, winning the FedEx Cup. Like, if you play well yourself, then you're basically controlling your own destiny. Not the case in a major championship. In a major championship, you need every other great player in the world to have an off week and you still have to get extremely lucky to win a major championship. Mm -hmm. I don't know how this is slippery slope. I think you'll probably get to see, I mean, to be honest, Kyle, those guys probably don't care about a player a year. They care about majors more like a guarantee. Rory's like, eh, fuck. You would certainly hope you don't care about majors more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, no, that's. I thought that was it was simple, and it was Brooks wouldn't trade with Rory, but Rory would trade with Brooks in a heartbeat. Mm, yes, Correct. heartbeat split split second. Yeah, split second. You know, Lou Brown on Twitter uh, poses the question: Why wasn't the Player of the Year on television during the four most important weekends of the season? Yeah, <laughs> I think Just, uh, it pretty much sums it up right there. Just a really good take from I, Lou Brown. Lou Brown asking the questions that we are all wondering. I I mean, I feel like most of the golf media kind of understood. And I, I don't remember. I, I wish I could give this journal journalist credit, but um, a journalist said that, you know, hey, I had a discussion with a top 10 tour player 
who said uh, that he absolutely voted for Rory McIlroy. He was impressed. He thought he had the better season without a doubt. And that, you know, while the majors are, you know, important, they're only four weekends out of the year. And Rory's ability to really perform in, you know, tournaments throughout the season and especially win when a lot of money was on the line um, really is kind of what made him his 2019 player of the year. Uh, and then, and this is an anonymous top 10 player. Oh, well it it was supposed to be anonymous, but then given that the quote said, it doesn't really matter what you do in the majors. Uh, it kind of just matters that you're there for the big ticket events and the ones that pay really well. Well, after a little careful, I'm guessing uh, this is Ricky Fowler. No, it is not Ricky Fowler. That's the, that's the crazy thing. Ricky Fowler would never, I I have too much respect for Ricky. He's boys with those guys. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that either. No, uh, they went and took a little bit of a deep dive in there. And they found that there was exactly one player in the top ten that basically shit the bed in all four majors, but was very, very high on the money list. Uh, what, does does he have a huge head? I I'm not exactly sure what the and is he possibly a Ryder Cup teammate of his? Mm, uh, he may in fact be a Ryder Cup teammate. He may be a guy who even won several times on tour this year, or in the last you know calendar year. Uh, very. It, this guy is not a stranger to controversy on the PGA tour boat. What is your final answer? Uh, is it Sergio Garcia? No, come on. Top 10. I need a top 10 player that Sergio just fell out of the top 40. It's none other than the scientist himself. Mr. Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, I might've saw that somewhere. (laughs) It was just like the absolute irony of, you know, someone like Bryson DeChambeau picking Rory McIlroy over Brooks Kepka. Because really, I mean, let, let's be honest. You know that Brooks Kepka should have won that honor when it's just like you said, when every single player, whether they're open about it or they're bitter about it or they're you know is jealous of the season that Brooks Kepka had, uh, that that's a pretty clear indicator that that is the guy that should have been the player of the year. And yet, it's the players that voted on this fucking thing. So I I, I just I just, are they all like a little bitter? Are, are they kind of punishing Brooks for calling people out, like pretty much throughout the season? I I don't understand. There has to be politics. I involved. think. I, well, <laughs> we know that Brooks uh, is not a favorite of Bryson's because of the slow play and him throwing him under the bus. That right. could be rightfully that could be, so. That could be payback for that. Okay. Um, and yeah, it seems to me like in the age where all these guys seem to be really good friends and they go on vacation together and play shirtless golf. I don't see Brooks Kepka doing a lot of that. I see him on a boat with his babe. Um, Powerful Jenna Sims. And I kind of feel like he's just, uh, he's okay with kind of being the, the odd man out. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's really not worried about friendships and all that. Um, because he seems to be throwing people under the bus left and right and not afraid to speak his mind. No, he is not. And it's. I think what's even crazier is that Rory McIlroy, you know, obviously Lou Brown already hit the four weekends of the year, but even to get more specific, there are two tournaments this year that were more important and bigger for Rory McIlroy than any other two on the entire calendar. All right, but there's one major championship that he is missing. To complete the career Grand Slam. You know that when he looks at every season's calendar, the one tournament that stands out more than any other for Rory McIlroy is Augusta. 
He, oh yeah, without a doubt, it brings out the worst in him. It is, it is just the one hurdle he just can't seem to jump over. And then this year there was a second tournament that was equally important because they were playing the Open Championship in Northern Ireland. All right, for the first time in his life, he is Northern Ireland's native son. These were the two biggest, most important tournaments of the year. And he did, could, uh, he just did, shit the bed. Did did Brooks Both. miss the cut in any majors? Uh, I did. Well, if by miss the cut, did you mean did he finish outside the top three? Then yes, he did finish tied for fourth at the Open Championship. I just uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's exact, but 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 Rory's the, Rory's the player of the year. He's the player of the year. He's totally the player of the year. He won the Players oh. Championship in March, and he won at Eastlake. Man. Come on. It's player. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I feel I (sighs) framing the discussion like this insinuates that Rory McIlroy was actually not great in 2019. And that's not the case. He was excellent, but he did not show up in the biggest moments. And he was a non-factor in the four tournaments of the year that people remember one year, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I probably won't remember what happened at the WGN only. Only tune, only tune in for. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's as great as the PGA Tour is and as much exciting, you know, golf is on TV for all of us to enjoy throughout the year. Ultimately, there's four tournaments that mattered, and yeah. Rory shit the bed in two of them and was a, pretty much a non-factor in the other two. Yeah. That doesn't, it's just, it's just Get it out. Get that evil out. of the I'll, year worthy, Bo. Don't keep that evil in. Get that oh. evil out. You know what? Ultimately, I can't get that worked up over it because I do. Yeah. I as soon as I start to raise my voice and I start to feel my blood boil a little bit, yeah. I start to remember that. Oh, this literally has no impact on my life, and really, I'm not sure either of those guys really give that much of a shit about winning Player of the Year. I think it's yeah. just more something for no, us media I, folk to just kind of get up. It's a byproduct. About. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a you can't <laughs> can't do anything about it after the year. You know, you can't. I mean. Unless you go out there and, hey, <laughs> vote for Pedro. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if it becomes a popularity contest, which, you know, it, it seems like Rory probably gets along better with most of the guys out there than Brooks because everyone is very jealous of Brooks right now. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I feel like that has to be it, man. This has to be a political thing. Yeah. I mean, you never know, but there's, there's no – he he's not my player of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Not my player of the year. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's phenomenal. Uh, well, okay. If, if we're going to talk about Rory a little bit, I, since I haven't had you on since the uh, the season came to a conclusion, I have been very curious to get your and several other uh, of my friends' thoughts on what you thought about the Tour Championship, the staggered start, the kind of the way the season ended. I, I just kind of want your general thoughts on, you know, kind of the end of the 2019 season and the uh, revered, FedEx Cup playoffs, kind of uh, as a whole. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't like it. I mean, it's that's I, I, I don't like it at all. Um, the, why would you have the year end culminating supposedly your biggest biggest event of your non major season, excluding the PG, uh, the players, have a staggered starting score? That's just a absolute. I don't get it. Yeah, I 
You know what's funny? Before the last time we did a podcast together, I believe was the week leading up to the tour championship because we talked in detail about Justin Thomas's just absolute destruction of Medina in the, uh, yeah. the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. So I think we were talking about this in the in the week leading up to the tournament. I, I thought it was going to be pretty whack, and you know, after after following it, I actually didn't mind it as much as I thought I would. I thought it was silly. I thought it was hokey, but. As I was watching it, I just kept thinking to myself, and I'm touching on the same point I made earlier. You know, it's just kind of nice to see something different. You know, like at this point, like all these guys are going to be fine. Like, you know, this is a tournament that ultimately doesn't matter. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a, I know it's a tour championship, but again, you know, what casual golf fans remember who won who won the tour championship five years ago? Unless it's Tiger in 2017 or 2018, like the casual golf fan does not remember. And so, in that aspect, you know. Just the fact that it was something different, I was kind of like, you know, I kind of like that they're at least giving me a reason to at least check it out just to see if it's a train wreck or not. And 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 I do applaud the PGA Tour for at least having some stones to do something different because, again, I'm tired of watching 72-hole stroke play in places that aren't the majors. And I, I don't understand so much of golf's uh, – the problem that so many fans and people associated with the game seem to have with – deviating from that 72 hole stroke play format now granted i do i do concede that it's it's about as good a way to tell who the best golfer is over the span of four days but yeah i also i mean dude this is this is entertainment i want to be entertained i'm tired it's gonna if they stick with it it's gonna backfire there's gonna be a cinderella story who came in um started the week at 30th and he's five strokes better than the rest of the field and he doesn't win the tour championship mm. Well, you know, he really should have. He really should have. You know, he shouldn't have skipped out on that tournament down in, uh, down in, you know, was it Tallahassee or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever shitty pit tournament you want to pick on the floor to swing. There is no event in Tallahassee. I just pick a fucking tournament from the floor to swing, and you know, he misses Innisbrook, he misses the Honda Classic, whatever. I, it's like, dude, come on, like, it's it's. I don't even know. I'm losing my train of thought because I'm just getting flustered with how I'm, my, my brain is starting to care about things that just shouldn't be cared about. We'll have mixed reviews if, if they stick with it. Yeah. I, you know, who knows? I, overall, I mean, obviously, you know, he won the player of the year. Did you, were you satisfied with the ending of that tour championship in terms of Rory McIlroy taking it home? I mean, do you think for a, eh. you know, for a, a season long thing that really doesn't prove who was the true well, I guess it does prove who the true player of the year is. You know but... me. You know me. I, I mean, I, for a long time, I was not a fan of Rory. And now it's to the point where it's just kind of meh. Like, eh. Uh, uh, you know, if he starts to do some really cool things, um, you know, along the lines of, you know, just give him back and stuff like that and continues to does that, then I'll, I'll become a fan. But uh, right now, I, I, one way or the other, Whatever he does doesn't really affect me. Yeah. You know, it's uh, wild. If I asked you who was on the final ballot for player of the year, like the top names on the ballot, it was Brooks Kepka, and then it was Rory McIlroy. Do you know who the third name on that ballot was? Who fucking snuck on there? Well, it's pretty, pretty clear cut. Uh, clear cut. I could tell you two, the two other names that were in the final four, and I could tell you which one was third and which one was fourth. I'll give you a clue. Four was Xander Shoffley because he had a couple of wins and also had a bunch of top tens and majors. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I agree. 
Uh, who else snuck on there? Well, well, the the third name on that list was a gentleman. Oh, a tiger. No, oddly enough, a Masters victory is not quite good enough to get you into the final four of the Player of the Year conversation. Interesting. This was a gentleman that won a couple of times. Uh, he had a lot of top twenties. Oh, Kucher. Exactly right. Which leads me to my next point, Boat. I mean, it had to be his best year, right? I, I mean, this guy. Well, not only was his best well, he year, was like leading. He was like leading FedEx Cup for a long time. Yeah, leading the money list and the FedEx Cup through. What was his a, final money total? Can you freaking find that out for me? Because it had to be a lot. I certainly can. And it was a lot more than everyone else because of paid out caddy fees. <laughs> his it take was, home this year had to be huge, Kyle. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was trying to think. Like, I was thinking about making this a whole other podcast, and we, we may still do it. So maybe we'll just touch on it briefly, but. If we had to go through like a big winners and losers column for the 2019 season, doesn't Matt Kuchar kind of make both lists and probably has oh, to be at the, top? at the top of the meme list between the caddy thing, the triple triple hop embedded ball, and uh, the loose impediment? He's uh, God. He had to be the biggest clown on tour this year. I, I think you. I think you have to be right. And so, by the way, I'm looking at this right now. It appears that if you include his FedEx Cup uh, bonus at the end of the season, uh, Matt Kuchar ended up fifth on the money list with $6.846 million in earnings. He might have made more than that in another year, shockingly. Now, now here's here's the crazy thing. Do you know where he was on the money list before those FedEx Cup payouts? Oh, probably number two. I think he was number four. So it looks like, so leaders uh, in pre FedEx Cup bonus money payments would be number one Brooks Kepka at nine point six million. Number two would be Rory McIlroy at seven point seven eight million. Dude, how did Kepka make that much money only one in one major? It's crazy, right? And actually, you know what? It's funny. And then Matt Kuchar, number three, six point two two nine million. And then the guys that were right behind him. Oh no, uh, yeah. Then the guys that were right behind him were. Uh, Patrick Cantlay at six point one two million, and then uh, Xander five point six, Justin Thomas at five point oh. I mean, pretty pretty impressive. I skipped DJ. DJ was was five point five. DJ made a lot of money this year. He made five point five three million this year. Pretty impressive, not including Justin Thomas, considering he was injured. Yeah, right. Which major did he pull out of? Did he pull out of the Open? Uh, I believe it was the, oh shit, I feel like I should know this. It was, I mean, it was either the PGA Championship or the U.S. Open. I think it was the, I think it was the U.S. Open. I think he played, I think he played the PGA Championship. Okay. And then I don't think he played in the. That sounds right. I, I don't think it was. In the Open. U.S. Well, Open, did he play? He might not well, even have played it, in the British Open, dude. It, dude, it might have been the PGA Championship, actually, because I remember the, the news about his golf injury came out right when the Masters was over, so I actually think it was the PGA Championship that he missed. Do we remember him at uh, Pebble? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think he really made much of an impact on the leaderboard did he, at Pebble. Did he miss two majors? I, I think it, I really do think it was only um, it was only the PGA Championship, but I'll, I'll go ahead and double-check that for you as well. But go ahead. You, you were saying about... Uh, Pretty impressive that he, you know, it, 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 was, it was an extended layoff. It wasn't like he missed one event. No, no. He missed a lot of the season, but it really, I mean... That goes, I mean, this kind of touches on what I was talking about with the how you thought 2019 went, and that because 
the deck is so stacked for how guys do in those FedEx Cup playoffs. You can have a, a so-so year by, you know, I mean, granted, Justin Thomas is one of the best golfers in the world, so a so-so year by his standard is still pretty damn good. Um, but you could have a completely so-so year and still finish top five on the money list. You know what? I just realized that this podcast is going to go over tonight. I got to do it right now while it's on the tip of my tongue. Please. One, Kyle Serlo. Does Ricky Fowler win a major next year? Um, God, that is a great question. I will say no. I think he does. And it, it, I would say I, I'm not saying no because I don't think he can or I don't think it's in the cards. That's purely from a statistical standpoint. The odds yeah. are that he won't win. But what 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 I makes think, you think that I he's think got that the, the next year's? People the year? are going to start to cool down on the talks. You know what I mean? There was so much pressure because he was supposed to be the next this. You know, people are probably going to cool off. Be like, you know what? The guy's a really good player. He'll win one one day. Hopefully. Um, I just, I just, I just feel like he maybe was a little bit under the radar the last half of the year and wasn't the topic of a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he misses that, you know, kind of being the, the it guy mm-hmm. and just absolutely fucking gets to the driving range in dusk to dawn. And just comes out, fucking guns blazing. Next year, dude, th- that sounds awesome to me. I would fucking because he's got everything now, dude. To see I Ricky mean, get he's after it. One of the top five marketable guys. He the guy makes a ton of money off the golf course. He certainly does. He's got the fiance. Are they engaged? Uh, he's got the he's got the girlfriend slash fiance soon to be wife. Maybe I don't know. I yep. I, I forget. Um, yep. and uh, you know what, dude. He's got everything that everyone could, and now he's. I, I think, I think he was like the guy that was happy to be part of the group for a while. He had that year a couple of years ago where he top five in every major and was close. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the guy is, um, and we'll kind of. Uh, this is going to be a good segue. I think down deep, he's one of the best competitors out there. Really, and I, I hopefully think that uh, maybe an inner inner torch was maybe lit. Um, and from that, I'm going to say he does win. And next year, it is going to be at Augusta. I mean, I it, think I think Ricky Fowler is your Augusta Masters champion next year. And after that, I think we need to probably talk about Jordan Spieth's 2020 campaign. Hmm. It sounds like our it sounds like our 2020 preview podcast is going to be really, oh, really be juicy. God, I I am excited for that. Uh, quick quick thing before I lose my train of thought, I wanted to remind mm-hmm. you. You asked uh, Justin Thomas's 2019 major championship results: Masters tied for 12th, PGA Championship skipped the tournament with an injury, U.S. Open missed the cut, Open Championship tied for 11th. Gotcha. So. I mean, given the I mean the injury, I think the U.S. Open he was I think that might have been his first, second or first tournament back from the injury. Yeah. So understandable that uh, he probably wasn't playing that well when he was there. But makes I mean, sense. Yeah, I mean, not bad at all. Not bad at all. I I'll tell you what, man. To, to follow up what you were saying, I think now that Tiger has won one uh, later in his career, 
I think watching Ricky win at Augusta may now be at the top of my current uh, wish list. Yeah. I, I think that has that would have to be number one. That that probably be my the most satisfying result of any tournament. And uh, just that I could see because next year. obviously he hasn't won as much as Phil had, but you can see the parallels between Ricky and Phil, mm-hmm. kind of the people's champion. Yep, totally. extremely marketable. Totally, um, you know the thumbs up, the smile, and the the, the great with charity. Um, uh, I hope he would do a Phil jump too. <laughs> Dude, by the way, another quick aside. What have been your thoughts on these really delightful fireside chats with Phil Mickelson? It's just—he's a superstar. He's a superstar. <laughs> he's a goddamn rock star. The one—the one with Justin Thomas was great. Um, there's just—he's just—he's a really good storyteller. Phil Phil really seems to be enjoying social media. I, I, do you think he's? He considered- pays, I, I I think he's. Who has it better than Phil? right now well to be I, honest. I mean i'm talking to the world's but you know foremost blogger so i figure yeah. you've, pro- you've probably got it about as good but i mean do, yeah. do, you, do you think he would consider starting a blog <laughs> he's, he's basically vlogging right he, uh, I mean, he's a, uh, ex- I, he seems I, like an experienced you know veteran vlogger at this point he, i don't think he would let's just say i don't think he would struggle to put pen to paper <laughs> and i don't think it'd be like 150 words <laughs> Uh yeah, man. Phil uh, Phil sharing those stories are are really really great. If anybody has not been uh, following Phil Mickelson on the uh, on the, his social media pages, Phil is just crushing it right now. He is absolutely crushing it. Uh, you know what? To bring this thing uh, to bring this thing home, boat. You know who else has been absolutely crushing it in all kinds of bad ways these last couple of weeks? The newest receiver for the New England Patriots. I know this is a golf <laughs> podcast, but I, I know you have some Antonio Brown thoughts that you have to get off your chest. You know what, man? Oh. We got hundreds and hundreds, possibly thousands of people listening to this podcast fire, right now. What do you think what? about Mr. Antonio? What an absolute... Uh, watching the hard knocks thing. <laughs> Before that, I'm like, good for the Raiders. You know what? Good for the Raiders. The guy's a stud. All he does is make huge plays. He might look Derek Carr look look like a decent NFL quarterback. And then just watching these hard knocks things with the burning his feet and the cryo chamber and the helmet thing. And then just acting like an absolute idiot, posting the picture of the fine letter and uh, and then the whole thing of maybe hiring a, a media something to what's the best way to get out oh, of my there's that's... no there's no maybe he most certainly did that and then i'm reading the the basically the overview uh the high uh, the highlights from the sports illustrated article that came out today and he's he's an absolute dumpster fire uh you know he's claiming I guess the, the cops were at his house like three days in a row. He's claiming he had $2 million stolen out of his $2 million in jewelry st- stolen out of, out of a safe and 80, 80 grand in cash. And then he's like throwing furniture out of his apartment in Miami from the 14th floor, almost hit a family with young children settled out of court. Wait. The guy is an absolute, dumpster fire i had not heard about that until this very now he's got all these allegations coming out 
the one where he supposedly hired this painter to come to his house. She's doing a, like a, you know, painting a picture of him and she's bending down to do the bottom of the portrait. And she turns around and he's standing there naked with like a, a small hand towel covering his private area. It's like, what? It's ballsy. Literally. I just, that just disgusts me. You know what I mean? And then he hosts some party during Pro Bowl week and invites a bunch of people. And he's got this celebrity chef over there. And he's like, I need you to do your best stuff for 40 to 50 people. And so the, the chef rolls out like beef tenderloin and all sorts of stuff, racks up a $35,000 bill, and he still hasn't paid the guy. And the guy was like wavering whether or not he should sue him because, you know, it might look bad and he might not get more celebrity clients and stuff like that. AB was basically trying to pay these people like by putting them in a social social media video. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look who I got doing this. Turn around, girl, stuff like that. Oh, look at this huge party catered by chef such and such. He was trying to pay that his currency. He was trying it was, and that's not, these chefs don't know how to, they, they don't monetize that. Like, like him and Odell Beckham do, you know what I mean? Uh, just there's lots, tons of other stories too. Um, and I didn't even read the full article. I just got the overview. Uh, I clicked on the link on Yahoo. Um, just guy sounds like an absolute piece of shit. Just a piece of shit. And it was probably a pretty good indicator when the Raiders who clearly need help on offense were like, you know what? We don't want to work with you. You're a fuckhead. For a team as desperate as the Raiders to do that should have been huge fucking red flags. And if all this stuff has any truth to it, I hope fucking Belichick fucking cuts him like a fucking rookie. New England doesn't need fucking weapons. Obviously, he's a fucking really good football player. But Antonio Brown, if some of this stuff is true, you fucking suck at life, dude. So, I guess my first follow-up question would be, has your new number 17 New England Patriots Antonio Brown jersey arrived at your house yet? No. Hmm. Hmm. God, what a piece of shit, man. I, I have to admit, man, it was... It was like a bad reality show come to life following that stuff on the opening weekend of the NFL. Like it just Ugh. it just seemed stranger than fiction. It it's it, like, it just didn't dude, seem you, you, real. You've literally and oh my goodness, Kyle. I'm watching MLB tonight and if anyone watched this, there it was a home run in Colorado. And some poor kid tried to catch a home run ball just over the fence. And he, let's just say his glove didn't catch a ball, but his freaking head did. Oh, no. Oh, and it was, oh, I feel bad for the kid. Oh, I, no. Sorry, I had, had to bring it up. No, it's That's okay. why, <laughs> even if you're going to bring a glove to a game, Kyle, you make sure you're coordinate, coordinated enough to use it. Oh, man, that is... I always brought I always brought my glove to a baseball game, didn't you? I I certainly did. I I would say I stopped bringing a glove probably at like age seventeen, right, right about that age where you're pretty confident that you are the world's greatest human, and that if anything like a baseball were to come flying at your face, you'd be able to capably catch it with one hand. Probably, I'd probably pro say that's pro uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
probably about that. But then I think I still I still appreciate the uh, I still appreciate the grown men that show up. Oh, and you know they've they've got the uh, the twelve dollar beer like in in the web of the glove, like Call, you know when, when they're sitting down. Are you referring to Golf Guide founder Rick Serlo right now? <laughs> I I just I, I, I really I, I like I, I in my so it was bad enough my dad was a lefty, but we, you know when a forty year old man is bringing his glove to the game, I, I and now. I just appreciate the fuck out of it. Hell yeah, man! No, it, it's a great call. I think, uh, admittedly, my my move up to the Central Valley has uh, really halted the amount of Giants games that I have been attending on a year to year basis. I think uh, I am at zero for this season and zero for the previous season after averaging maybe like thirty games a year during yeah. the time that I lived in the city and lived around. So, you know, needless to say, I'm attending a few less Giants games than I was previously, but uh, I got to tell you, when I do make it, the last time I went to a game, I did bring my glove. And it was yeah. because it was before they put the, the nets up, and I thought to myself, you know what? Why the hell not have it? Wouldn't it be fucking awesome if all of a sudden someone just snared one right at us and I saved some young child's life? And then not only do I get a baseball, but I get to be a hero. Well, a local hero. That's what we all dream about. Yeah, God, I mean, that's that's, that's got to be better than winning the Masters. Yeah, by far. You saved a goddamn life. Yeah. Boat, on that note, do you have anything else to share with the people, my friend? I, the first time here in a couple weeks, I want to make sure you get every everything that's on your mind off your chest. and Let let the listeners know what you're thinking. Do, do you have anything well, else for them? Let's see here, Kyle. Um, locally, uh, Cardinal Newman girls golf team isn't going to have a chance to play for a state title because they're division two. Um, their coach TJ is going to try and, uh, apply to go D one next year. But I recently filled in, I don't know if you know this, uh, our associate Daniel Mathis is now the girls golf coach at Montgomery high school. I, I was made aware of this when I was, uh, walking off the golf course at, uh, at, at Bennett Valley, you know, maybe two, two weeks ago. Yeah. And, uh, I got, Hey, Serlo. I turned around and none other than Coach Math is sitting right there with Coach Dan. You know, five five or six uh, young ladies, and I was thinking to myself like, "Oh no, what is he doing?" And he's like, "I'm the golf coach." I was like, "Oh, thank goodness." Okay, all right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, "Oh, thank goodness." Okay, could have went either way. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, he uh, had to have an emergency appendectomy. No. So, no. Uh, your old buddy Jesper had to. Uh, Throw the boots on a little bit early this year. Really? Oh. And uh, get those he went out, shoes back on there, partner. Went out and led the Lady Vikes to uh, a pretty good performance. Yes. But uh, getting back to that team, I don't like mentioning uh, Cardinal Newman. But uh, <laughs> who does? They went uh, 35, 35, 38, 43. That, that, and, that uh, happens in high school girls' golf in the North Bay uh, area? I mean, Jesus. there's girls that have obviously shot under par. I can't remember the last time, you know, obviously, well, Jessica Reese had to play on the on the boys' team from the Blue Tees, and she still shot under par. But, I mean, you know, two girls to shoot under par on the same team in the North Bay, I can't remember. No. Jesus. Kate, Katie, my sister shot under par, but there was no uh -huh. one on her team that was that good. Uh-huh. Um, but 
freshman who I thought was going to Montgomery, but decided to go to Carl or maybe her parents decided, uh, we played the back nine. She stripes the drive hits an iron that lands like, like a long iron on tour, like ball mark one skip and then check and trickle like a long iron on tour to like 10 feet and tapped it in for Eagle. Wait, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? So, what? uh, the Cardinal Newman girls golf team has got some players. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, to pour salt in the wound. If you're listening, Jessica Reese, uh, the Vikes might put you on retainer to no, no longer teach, uh, Cardinal Newman women's golfers. Just throwing that out there. Hmm. Mm. because I, like I believe she is teaching the entire team. And apparently going on in the North Bay right now. I, I, I never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> I thought she was Montgomery Vikings and the hook them horns through and through, but boy, how far we've come. Right, how, how, how far are we fallen? But in all seriousness, very impressive uh, score. Extremely impressive. Wow, that is two girls under par, and then you throw a thirty-eight in there, and don't bat an eye at the forty-three. That's uh, it's pretty cool. Good plan. Yeah, I feel like if anybody on the, on the men's side of the uh, the end, you know, the North Bay League, or is it still the North Bay League? Uh, yes, there's the Oak and the Redwood, but North uh, Bay League. Yeah, those, so there's two divisions now. So oh, and the kicker, the kicker is uh, Cardinal Newman is in the lower division. Oh, are they really? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're in the lower division uh, because. Uh, uh, they had a poor uh, three seasons leading up to last year, so th- they will no doubt be in the in the top division uh, next year, and hopefully they uh, are in Division One because I think they should do some damage. Okay, Perfect. and actually play a state championship. And that everybody is your local sports corner for North Bay <laughs> Sports with Jess Steback. <laughs> Oh, that's actually really, really fantastic. Um, awesome, man. Well, yeah, that, honestly, that that is actually really fascinating to know. I did not know there was such talent in the uh, the youth female golf scene in Santa Rosa, California. So uh, my hometown. Do, hopefully, do, uh, do hopefully, right. the, hopefully, hopefully the boys are listening and get, get their cabooses out to the driving range and putting green. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. Oh, shit, man. Uh, all right, boat. Anything else, my friend, that uh, we, we need to let the people know before we sign off? Uh, let's see. Uh, my good buddy Nick Mason won the Nebraska Open this weekend. Powerful Nick Mason. Um, well you know, there was some local players that played in the in the Mid-Am uh, at Colorado Golf Club in Commonwealth. Uh, Bobby Busey, the California State champ, was, I think it was like 15 guys for six spots to get the, uh, the last six uh, match play spots. Okay. Um, I don't think they they might be televising. Uh, I think Fox did uh the final round or the final two rounds last year. Mm-hmm. Um, tune in. It's match play, and those a lot of those guys that'll be in the final groups are basically guys that either came from family money and didn't want to play professional golf, or loved going to work. Because all those guys in those final groups are very, very good golfers and could be playing on a tour somewhere. Mm-hmm. You look at, uh, you know, Stuart Hagestad, the champ from either last year. It would have been like, I mean, he's basically and had a huge high you mean regular in a lot Masters of participant, Stuart Hagestad. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man, 
yeah let's go that's it that's it that's it for now i don't i think that i think that's it but tune in uh we we like our match play golf we do we most certainly do uh and with that we like all of you and if oh, you like us oh oh Kyle, i'm sorry i'm sorry I, to I, interrupt no no okay go ahead uh the santa rosa city championship uh october 26th and 27th this year uh both rounds are going to be at benna valley just because there's a little bit of uh you know a little bit of i'm sure your your dad and you're privy to oakmont and their pending purchase mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so both rounds will be played at bennett valley golf course well sure. that sounds lovely san rosa city championship yep. uh i will not be participating i will actually be <laughs> uh out of town All divisions. and i'm also not good enough uh i'm not you know i'm not qualified to compete in such a championship however yours truly will be playing in bodega's member guest this thursday and friday where Ooh. i where me and golf guide founder rick serlo plan Ooh. on just absolutely eviscerating the net field we are gonna really <laughs> we are really gonna be bringing it Love so it. I will just want to put all the sixty-three-year-olds hey, working. It's, it's invitational season. Stun. It's invitational season. It is. It is. It, it, it's we big just time. had ours at the uh, at at the country club. I don't know if I told you, but uh, me and a couple of associates, uh, Bubba Stapleton and uh, Adam J. Zuer, oh. uh, we we just we did the smart thing, Kyle. This year we uh, we rented a uh, motorhome and we parked <laughs> it uh, <laughs> in the back corner of the parking lot yes. between the shrubs and the pool. God, we there was there was no massive uber bills there was uh according to my calculations an extra 42 minutes of sleep each day um we showered in the locker room it was uh it was a little bit a little slice of heaven that is boat that is easily the best thing that i've heard all year it it was it was a big hit among other i'll say younger members mm mm-hmm um, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking next year, according to the, uh, the popularity, there could be three to four more. So we might, uh, I think it's the, the sky's the limit. But I, so this prompts me to ask you a favor. I, I have yeah. a, a solid that I, that I must request that you try to accommodate as best as possible. Yeah. Uh, when this is happening next year, I'm not going to say if, when this is going down next year. Yeah. Oh, I'm can, right. I'm, I'm there with you. Can I be there? And can we have a live podcast from the RV in the Santa Rosa Country Club parking lot? We would really have to apologize for my language as soon as we got on the air, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it would be it would be just really really smart thing I, to do on I, our part. I, I think I think it would be a big hit. I mean, even a little if bit the, of a little bit of a filter ripped off. Ooh, um, even if the podcast is completely unpublishable. I, I could tell. I could tell you what, man. Just we're gonna enjoy. We're gonna enjoy the hell. It's gonna be good for us either way. So it's either good for the listeners or it's good for us. I call that a win-win. Just do it for us. That's <laughs> uh, just just be selfish once. Uh, that is incredible. But it was it was a lot of fun. Oh, uh, that is, but that is the most perfect note to end on. Thank you for sharing, man. That is phenomenal. You're I'm welcome. already looking forward to the live RV show that we're gonna be uh, broadcasting to all of you next fall. But uh, gotta do it. Before then, we got uh, you know that's another podcast in the book. We've got another one coming, hopefully next week. Uh, if you yep. guys enjoy listening to myself and Boat and the other guests we have here in the Golf Guide Podcast, do us a solid and leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. That is much appreciated. Um, with that, Boat, God damn it, man, I enjoy doing this with you. What 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 a fun time! Really, really good talking to you, brother. Uh, any you last too, par- any last parting words before we uh, we bid these people adieu? 
just uh, maybe maybe try and tune in on September 29th for uh, Bruce Bochy's last game as a Giants manager. Mm. Love it. Hall of Famer coming to a close. Yep. And with that note, everybody, thank you very much. We will be back with you next time. And until then, adios. Adios.